So it's time for uh, for the shear to start. Just a public service announcement. Next week there will not be a shear. Next week I um, I have Shavu uh, Brachos for uh, my son and future daughter-in-law, so there will not be a shear next Thursday night. Thank you very much. But Bez uh, will be back in two weeks. So tonight, two questions as always. So question number one: um, Someone I know whose daughter just got engaged, and they we talking so much about engagements and everything. So his daughter just got engaged, and they're uh, planning a wedding, and they finally booked a hall and a date and everything, and they. Were dealing with the Mechotanim and it wasn't easy not, uh, not all the time is uh, Mechotanim dealings always uh, smooth and everyone's got you know the reasons why it has to be on this day, it can't be on that day and this one and that one, finally, they finally agreed on something and uh, the fellow sends me an email the next morning good morning, the fun begins, period we already put deposits down for the wedding and all the vendors meaning they got, they put a deposit down for the band and for the florist and for the what else? What else do you pay for? I don't know. I'll find out soon. I guess when I write my checks on Sunday night. But you know, with the, 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 uh, they, they, they put the they put the, uh, the, the you know the, the money down for everything for all the vendors, which is a small deposit. But uh, but it's you know I mean small. It's a couple of you know it's a few thousand dollars for each. Now my father-in-law woke up and says he just realized the date we booked is his mother's yard site, and he can't go to, to a simcha on her yard site. Is there any heter? It's at least five deposits already for the date. I would have to check with all of them to get them back. Um, uh, otherwise, I would lose all the money. Choosing that date was not the most pleasant situation with the other side. Difficult conversations. On top of vendors, we booked a flight for our son to come back from Eretz Yisrael. They booked for their daughter in seminary and their relatives living in Israel. So uh, what do we do? So that is Shaila number one. Shaila number two um, is... Uh, what? It seems solid. It seems like a solid one. Okay, it's a solid candidate. Okay, we'll see. Maybe. Shaila number two um, is uh, a, a, uh, an email. It's a long email. I'll just read you the relevant uh, part. Um, it's from, it's from a, a, a guy who is a real Ben Torah, an outstanding uh, Ben Torah, a single guy. And uh, he started working. He works in an accounting firm. And he's been there for a few years now. And he's, he, the first half of the email, he talks about um, you know, how he relates to uh, the other Jews in his, uh, in his accounting firm. Obviously, always trying to make a Kiddush Hashem, never trying to be too pushy or anything like that. But he says, you know, for, for the most part, it's gone really, really well. So he said one person in particular seemed fascinated with the Orthodox lifestyle. He would say things to me like, I don't think I could uphold the full traditions and way of life, but it's so interesting to see someone that is. I invited him to come for Pesach that year, and he slept over after the first Seder, also said he couldn't believe my cleaning lady knows more about Judaism than he does, and he came back on Sukkot with other people from the firm. One day, we were messaging at work, and he started to tell me about his recent date. I wasn't getting the we went to Cafe Muscat and discussed yeshiva and seminary kind of vibes from him. When I asked him if he had a good time, he said, eh, it will never work out. He's a Trump supporter. I, I paused. I read the line a few times over to confirm that he wasn't just emphasizing his political affiliation. After shirking any outreach initiatives the last couple of years, I was inspired by a recent event in my life and shipped a menorah and Hanukkah candles to his address so that he could light this year. With that long introduction, I mean, it was a much longer introduction, but my, my question is the following. 
Am I doing a service or disservice to him to try and bring him closer to Torah mitzvahs? On the one hand, he never really met Orthodox people before, and in his words, had a negative impression of Orthodox Jews beforehand. He took a liking to my family and recounted his mother telling all of her friends that he questioned becoming religious after that Pesach, because my mom is really such a great cook. On the other hand, I'm, uh, I'm far from a Kiev expert, <coughs> I don't know that I'll be able to significantly change his life, but maybe he's better <coughs> off being a Tinok Shanishva, uh, all things considered. Um, so that is Shaila number two. To what extent should he, uh, should he place Kiruv efforts in this uh, circumstance? Okay, so now we can vote. Shaila number one was uh, you want to make a way, everything's planned, all the deposits are down, and then the father in law wakes up and says, uh, Oh, I forgot, I have your side. Um, and then, uh, and so what do you do about that? Shaila number two, to what extent do you do Kiruv for, uh, for people who, uh, you know, there's a. Uh, not a strong likelihood of being successful within the Orthodox community, or at least that's the um, that's the uh, the assumption. Okay, so uh, first we'll go with the in-room voters. The Zoomers are already voting. I'm not going to tell you what they're voting. In-room voters. What do we? All those show number one. Well, show number two. Okay, it's close. Let's see what happens over here on Zoom. Two, two. Wow. So more people want to try the number one. Go figure. I was totally prepared for Shiloh number two. Okay, <laughs> I thought everyone was going to vote for Shiloh. Sometimes I, I get it wrong. Sometimes I just, uh, okay. Oh, the, Henry changed his vote. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for your support, Henry. <laughs> um, okay. But I guess we'll go with Shaila number one. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, meaning uh, essentially what does the Shiloh boil down to? What's, what's the issue over here? So how many issues are there over here? Let's, let's start with that. So the first thing you have to know is what's the halacha of a yard site? Meaning, are, is there really such a thing that you're not allowed to attend a simcha on, on a yard site? Meaning there are, they, you know, when it comes to Hilchas Avelis, you will find that there are very often many different shitos about how to handle some of the gray area in, uh, in, in Hilchas Avelis. And yard site is, we'll see, maybe no different. You know, uh, someone was telling me recently, uh, my, my son Bez is getting married Sunday, and to my future daughter-in-law, and uh, and 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 uh, Rabbi Newberger is the rav of my of of uh, my mechutanim shul, and my mechutan is the president of the shul. They're they're very very close with Rav Newberger. Rav Newberger just got up from shiva. Rav Newberger is going to be in Shloshin. So can he come to the wedding? What's he is he allowed to do anything? So so Rav Newberger is going to come in, read the ksuba, and walk out, and that's it. That's what it. But uh, when the music stops, he'll walk in. He'll read the ksuba. And he'll and he'll and he'll walk out. So that's that's a very very limited participation. He's still in Shloshim. My father-in-law told me that uh, at one of my cousin's weddings, Rav Rosenzweig was in Avelus, and uh, and he had asked Rav Lichtenstein, you know, he wanted to go say Malzatov, and he asked Rav Lichtenstein, and Rav Lichtenstein, Zechron Bracha had said that when you're there, the music can't be playing, and the boys cannot be dancing in a circle. They can only be jumping up and down, but not 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 circularly. I don't know, you know, Mcholos is in the circle, I guess, you know, so that's why but like a, that's a very interesting, you know, and different kind of uh, of sack. So there are a lot of uh, you know a lot of different shades of gray when it comes to this. So first thing we're gonna have to figure out is what's the halacha of a yard site? And if the halacha taka is that you're not allowed to go to a wedding, so are there any accommodations that could be made? You know, I'm sure you've all been to weddings where you saw a table set up outside where uh, you know where where uh, people were eating like aunts and uncles who maybe were in Avelus and they got a sack from their rub that they're allowed to go to the wedding but they, they have to be in a table outside of the main ballroom. And they had the table set. I've seen. No, anyone ever seen that? No, some of you have. Okay. Corona guys. 
It's mostly Corona guys outside. No, I don't mean like outside of out, outdoors. I mean outside of the main ballroom, like off to the side a little, so that they're not they're not uh, right. Nowadays, it's the uh, right. It's it's people who are being more cautious, I guess. But anyway, so uh, so 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 y- you have uh, situations like that. Um, uh, is there any accommodation that uh, that could be made? Then you might get into a thorny issue. Do you even have a right to change it? You already told the Mechutanim when it's going to be. They already made their plans. You may not have, uh, no matter what your situation is, you may not have a right to uh, to change the date on them. Uh, you may not be permitted to, to change the date on them. So let's go through some of the basics of uh, of the yard sites. So the Ramah quotes that it's usher to eat at a celebration on the uh, the day of a yard site, meaning at a party. Uh, it's a d- dark emotion, yardes, in shin sad yal sif gimel, and uh, in shulchan aruch as well, on the spot, in the, the, in the map of the shulchan aruch. And the Ramah says, dafka on the erev of the yard site, because presumably uh, the assumption is on the day of the yard site, there's no hava amina of attending a feast and attending a celebration. Why is there no hava amina of attending a feast? or a celebration on the day of the yard site because what happens on the day of the yard site? You fast on the day of the yard site, right? That's the uh, the practice. So uh, so that's why he mentions the eve of the yard site. Now nowadays, many people no longer have the uh, have the practice of fasting, which is uh, um, which is interesting that people don't have that practice uh, anymore. What do people do now instead? They have a party. They have a suda, uh, in, you know, as uh, as an alias neshama. Now uh, the the earliest source for fasting on the yard site is the Sefer Hasidim. Sefer Hasidim is ba- bases himself on the idea that throughout Jewish history, people fasted when, uh, when great people passed away. David HaMelech fasted when he heard that Shaul had died in battle. Um, right? Meaning that was uh, uh, a surprising twist. Right? You would imagine that David HaMelech would be thrilled uh, you know, uh, when, when Shaul died in battle because Shaul wanted to kill him. You know, the, that, that Nara Maleki certainly thought that David would, uh, would react positively and he goes and he tells David, I killed him! And David's like, you're dead. Right? He, uh, he, which, you know, some of the Acharnam explain David HaMelech was trying to set up a very clear um, a very clear uh, precedent of what happens when you kill a king <laughs> so uh, you know, there may have been some, some reason to you know, some self interest in wanting to set it up that way that if you, uh, if you kill a king it, it's not okay but uh, David HaMelech loved Shaul very much and he, uh, and he fasted on the death of Shaul and when he heard of Abner's assassination also he, he fasted. That's uh, these are psukim in, in Shmuel Beis. Yerushalmi says in Moed Katan, third part of Moed Katan, the Rabbi Avo fasted on the day that he saw a certain Talmud Chacham die. And then when, when Rabbi Yonah heard of the uh, death of the son of Rabbi Lazar, he fasted on that day. So uh, all of these practices of uh, fasting are recorded in Shulchan Aruch and Simon Shin Ayin Ches Sif David. So it seems that on the day of the death, now all those cases are on the, the day that the person actually died. But the Sefer Chasid them says you see this is a basis at least that uh, even on a yard site that one would uh, would fast that at least you know relating to a death one does so by by fasting so fasting on the yard site certainly by the time of the Shulchan Aruch became a very very widely accepted practice and the Ramah writes that it's a mitzvah to fast on the day that one's mother or father dies that's the Ramah in Shin 
in Vav, Sif Hey, and in Tav Beis, Sif Yud Beis. So it's not a halach, it's not a requirement, but it is a mitzvah, it's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, the Sefer Hasidim writes that it's a, it's a way of showing respect. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 it could be that it provides kapara for the, uh, for the parents. Uh, the Sefer Hasidim says that a child's uh, neshama is connected to that of their parent, so, uh, so, so uh, he, he, uh, he, he, he connects in that way through, uh, through fasting. Um, the, uh, the others suggest that he needs the fast to protect himself because, it's a, because of that connection, meaning the mazel of the child is not good on that day because obviously it was not a day of great mazel for the parent. So, uh, so on the anniversary of that day, the child's mazel is not going to be that great, so he needs, he needs to fast. So uh, that's what we assume. Now, uh, how strict is that, uh, is that fast? Really irrelevant right now for our discussion, right? Meaning the point is that the Ramah, when he quotes this halacha of not going to a celebration on a yard site, Dafka says the Erev of the yard site, the Eve of the yard site, because the fast presumably is a daytime fast. It's not a nighttime. But the, uh, had the Ramah thought of the idea that people would have a yard site su'uda, that they would have some sort of feast in honor of the yard site, he probably would have said, yeah, that's for everybody else. But if it's a, if it's a child for Avivimo, it's probably better that they, that they should fast. Now, the, the Isra to eat at some sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, at, some sort of um, uh, at some sort of party is not agreed upon by everybody. Uh, the Lavush disagrees. Um, he says there's no such Isra to eat at a Simcha on someone's yard site. He said he never saw such a, such a minag. He says he never, he, he's been around the block a few times, never seen that anyone has such a practice that they, uh, that they eat on, uh, on, on the yard site. The Levush, um, you know, was almost a competing safer uh, with, uh, with uh, someone said, isn't fasting on the yard site mentioned in the Gemara? Is it? Where's the mention in the Gemara? Does someone know the Gemara that mentions it? Someone want to Google it? Um, the, uh, I don't know. Um, it, it, it could be. I just don't remember if it's mentioned. I think Rav Shef say he used to fast for his mother's yard site until his father told him it's not their minute to fast in yard sites. Also interesting. Okay. Um, that's also interesting. I thought that was Hasidish uh, practice not to fast, but okay. I, I don't know. Um, okay. So uh, the, the Lavush, I, I just heard in an interview with Rav Shechter. Rav Shechter did an interview recently um, that hasn't been released publicly yet uh, with uh, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg about Psach so he mentioned the Levush in that, uh, in that context. He spoke about certain Svarim that never became uh, extremely widely accepted, that didn't become like the Dasach, or like the, 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 the sheet that everybody goes by. And the Levush is one such safer that for whatever reason, um, he had some suggestions. You know, he thought the Yorach HaShulchan was similar to that, that the Mishabura became much more popular than the Yorach HaShulchan, even though the style of the Yorach HaShulchan is very appealing, right? What's the style of the Yorach HaShulchan? He starts with the, the Sugya, and he goes to the Rishonim, and he, you know, he really lays it out for you very nicely, much more nicely than the Mishabura. So Shachter's take on it was that the ones that are accepted are generally those that have a much stronger uh, basis in the Mesorah, like a real Mesorah as opposed to those that either come up with their own svaras and their own ideas. And he felt that the Yorach HaShulchan, even though 
he goes through the whole sugya. Very often, when push comes to shove and he needs to come to a maskana, or he has a kasha, he'll come up with his own original idea. Whereas the mishabura, everything is sourced. Everything, it's a, it's a Maimur Mordechai over there, it's an Eliyarab over there. Everything is rock solid in the sources and is loyal to the Divrei Gemara. Meaning, he said, uh, you would imagine that when the Chavetz Chaim's family was writing the mishabura, right, it was a family project, it says in the official biography of the Chavetz Chaim. Uh, the Chavetz Chaim is obviously was a general editor, but uh, and he, he wrote the bulk of it, but it was a family project that uh, you'd imagine that they were surrounded by Sfarim that they were looking up everything. And he said that in one of the biographies he read of somebody else, they said that uh, the person saw the Yorach HaShulchan writing the Yorach HaShulchan, and he sat there with no svarim, just writing, writing, writing. And every once in a while, he'd get up to go to a shelf and pick a safer off, off a shelf and lo- look something up. So Rav uh, Shechter thought that it's much more likely that something's going to be mekubal when it's rock solid in the sources or in a uh, genuine mesora that they have in that, uh, you know, in, in, in the halacha. It was a fascinating comment. I mean, the, the whole thing was fascinating. You know, he said a, a lot of fascinating things. He said that Rabbi Lamb once asked him to go on a sabbatical, told him to offer him to go on a sabbatical, take a year off, and go learn by Rabbi Vadya. And he said, if you offer me Rabbi Yashiv, I'll do it, but not Rabbi Vadya. Because he felt that Rabbi Vadya didn't have that kind of misora, even though he loves Rabbi Vadya's writings. He writes so beautifully, and he sets up the sugi so nicely. But if he's going to get shimush of some, you know, from somebody, he wants it to be somebody that has a misora. So Rav Shafter, Moreno Rav Shafter had one Rebbe. He always likes to be nice and give credit to his other rebbeim. All oh, my rebbeim were such pekiim and tell me the chavim. He had one rebbe in his lifetime. He had uh, he had a salvechik and he, he was makabel that misora. But anyway, so the levush uh, disagrees. He says he's never seen such a practice. And the shach says, um, well, what, what, what do you mean? You never saw that practice. How many parties are you at where you know there are <laughs> there are people uh, who have a yard site that, uh, that 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 aren't eating or that are eating? Meaning, like it's not the kind of thing that you would notice if you uh, saw that practice. So what do you mean you never saw that practice? It's not so common. People didn't have so many parties back then. It used to be when a couple would get married, they'd have a wedding, and the wedding meal would be Friday night. They didn't have a l'chaim and a vart, and a wed- you know, and you know, they, they didn't have uh, that many parties. How many parties could they have? A bar mitzvah was a kid got an aliyah in shul. It wasn't, you know, the bar mitzvah in Eretz Yisrael, and then the party back home for the friends, and then they're like, hey, how many parties are there going to be already in, uh, in, the, in, in, in Jewish life? So, uh, Baruch Hashem, we take care of our caterers in our community, and uh, you know that's a nice thing to do. Um, but uh, but but uh, the the shach doesn't think that that's such a that's such a great raya. Um, they quote from the Arizal that the yisur against eating at a wedding is only on the first yard site and not not in uh, later years. But the Shach in Shin Yalf and in Shin and the Taz in Shin agree with the Ramah that it applies to all the yard sites as as well. So if we're looking for like you know, sniffim uh, lahakel. We're looking for reasons to potentially be makel. So far, we got two, right? One is new. No, what, what do we have so far? If we're looking for sniffim lahakel for reasons to be makel, you have the lavush that it says that you don't have this, uh, th- that this practice doesn't exist. And then what else do we have? We have what we just said: the taz and the the shach that, may, that, that the uh, the arizal, right? That uh, that it's only the first yard site. This isn't the father-in-law's first yard site. The, the, the it's uh, it's it's whatever. I don't know how many years, but it's not the first yard site. So you have that, right? Uh, it's interesting. Rashi also told us about the taz. Uh, it, I'm not told us. He, uh, he he's mentioned this taz also, but uh, he mentioned in that interview that Rav Salvechik never learned taz, which is so interesting because normally when you learn shulchan aruch, when you learn yoredeya. You learn your Shach Taz. That's what they do in all the yeshivas. And Rav Salvechik learned Yerodeya, 
the Shulchan Aruch was Shach in the Gra, not the not the Taz. And he had Rav uh, Shach said that he had that Rav Salvechik had a tradition in his family back from Balazin that the Taz um, initially was very uh, unhappy about the Shach printing his sefer because the shach was so kevaldic that he knew it would put him out of business so he didn't want to give askamah to the shach and the onesh min is that we never pass him like the taz we always pass him like the shach so salvation never learned taz so if shach wrote up that uh, you know I mean never learned I'm sure he looked at a taz here and there but it wasn't like part of his equal even so if shach wrote that up in the sefer nef sharad um, and he said that years later he got a message from Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Rav Shlomo Zalman read the entire Nefesh HaRav cover to cover, and he said you should take out that story. So Stomach, he agreed with the rest of it, but he said you should, uh, that story you should take out. That's a bizarre to the Taz, and it's going to cause people to stop learning Taz. In yeshivas, you learn Taz. Rav Shlomo said, I would have taken it out, he said, but by the time I got it, by the time I got the message, we were ready in our fourth printing of Nefesh HaRav. <laughs> there were tens of thousands of copies all over the world. <laughs> at, that, at that point in time. And he said, and Rosh Hashanah Zalman's right. Rosh Hashanah didn't learn the Taz because of that story, right? So uh, so maybe it does talk to stop people from, uh, from learning the Taz. It's very interesting. But uh, but anyway, but this is the Shach and the Taz that both quote this Arizal and both disagree with the uh, with the Arizal. Now, what kind of parties are, uh, are Asr? So weddings, Shavarbachos, anywhere where music is will usually accompany the occasion. Normally you're not allowed to have music unless it's that kind of a suda mitzvah or a party, meaning to have music where there's also wine at the suda. Lach or Chorv is probably just gave a time and a lecture on this recently because there's, uh, there's a lot of, one of those things that a lot of um, uh, restaurant owners don't even know. They don't know that uh, they're just trying to create a nice experience in the restaurant. So they'll have, uh, you know, uh, to celebrate the anniversary of their opening, they'll bring in a live band to the restaurant, and there's wine being poured and served. So that's an issue. You're not, you're not really allowed to uh, allowed to do that. But at a wedding, you're allowed to do that. Um, but you're allowed to participate in a bris mila, a pidyana ben, or a sima sechta. That's uh, the pischei tshuva quotes in Yardesh and Sadialov, quoting a tshuva smakom Shmuel and an Elie Rabba. Chachmas uh, Adam compromises and says, uh, you're not allowed to eat at a bris mila suda, but you're allowed to eat at a siyum, at a suda siyum, just not at a suda's bris mila. But over here, that's not what we're, uh, what we're talking about. Now, what does it mean to participate? So the Ramah um, it, it talks about it in all three places. And in, in three different places, and in all three places, says the same thing. He says that you're not allowed to eat at the celebration. You're not allowed to eat at the party. What does that tell you? What are you allowed to do? Apparently, you're allowed to attend. You're just not allowed to eat. Meaning, even the minak itself of not of, of, of the yard site of the of the uh, of, of not attending of not going to a wedding on the yard site is that you're not supposed to eat at a wedding at a yard site. It sounds like you are allowed to go. Uh, this is different than Dinim Avavelus. Why do people get confused and assume they're not allowed to go to a wedding? Because you're not allowed to go to a wedding. Rav Nuberger is going to run in and read the Ksuba and run right out. Rav Rosenzweig watched his Talmudim jump up and down, but then <laughs> in a circle for a couple of minutes when he went to say Malzav. Right? You're not allowed to attend and participate in, uh, in a wedding. I remember Rav Tversky Shlita was Masada Kiddushin at my roommate's wedding when I was in uh, YU. Um, my roommate got married, and, uh, and uh, Rav Tversky was Masada Kiddushin. Was, he was in Avelis for his father at the time. And he, he mamish was there for the bare minimum amount of time that he could possibly be. 
Um, the, everyone walked down, the music was over. He ran into the room and did the Seder Kedushin and ran out a side door, and that was it. Meaning, because that's a halacha, you're not supposed to even attend a wedding. But the, the, uh, the, the reason for the yard site is not because you have any din of Avelos. The reason for the yard site is there, there are other reasons for the yard site. Now, the Ramah Asr is eating at a simcha on, on the yard site, whereas the description of the daytime fast um, implies. That, that even though it's a recommended thing to, to, uh, to, uh, to, to fast during the daytime, it's not required. I mean, the difference between the two is that as far as, te- as, far as eating at the simcha in the evening, that the Ramah says is asr. As far as fasting during the day, he doesn't say asr. He says it's a proper uh, practice. Why are they different? Because everyone is physically able to refrain from uh, eating at a party. You can eat at home. You don't need to eat at a party. Uh, so the, that was a custom that Kali Yisrael was able to be omade. Whereas fasting really depends on a person's strength, really depends on a person's condition, and uh, therefore it could be that it was never as widely accepted in, uh, in, in Kali Yisrael. Um, if one is going to fast on the yard site, so it could be that you have to be makabal to fast the day before, and things like that. Now, um, why is it, if that's the issue? that you're not allowed to eat, uh, that that's the whole issue. You're not allowed to eat at a wedding. Why? What, what, what is it about? You're allowed to attend the wedding. You're allowed to dance at the wedding. You're allowed to, I mean, it's not a din of Avelos, because we know what the din of Avelos are. Why would it be that, uh, that Dafka eating at a celebration on the yard site is, uh, is, is problematic? So what, one could argue that it's a din kibbutz, that here you are living it up. You know, and the, It's not your personal Avelos. It's just it's a, a bad... Um, it's a bad look if if one has a glass of wine and uh, you know and he's eating a delicious steak or something, or it could be that if it's bad mazel, it's just inappropriate to be uh, to be eating, um, you know, in in that kind of setting. But it's not a din of avelus, and in order to make sure that it doesn't get confused with the din of avelus, the minhag developed that it doesn't follow the same the same rules of uh, of, of avelus. So it could be that that's the uh, that's the basis for the for the minhag. Now, given that, given that those are the rules, it seems that there's no question over here. I mean, we don't even have to get to to point two. You could tell the sh- the the, the shver, you could tell the father-in-law, no problem, come to the wedding, just you know, eat dinner before you come, or we'll have the caterer pack something up for you in order to go home, but we don't have to change the whole, uh, the whole wedding. I don't know how much, uh, you know, the, how much of a chance the immediate family uh, has to eat anyway at uh, weddings. Usually the guests have an opportunity. The immediate family is busy taking mazel tovs and everything. <laughs> so you tell them to have the caterer pick something up. Um, as it turns out, I saw the uh, fellow who had... Uh, yes. So first I told the guy who asked me the Shiloh, I said, your father-in-law Mastama has a rub, let him ask the Shiloh whether he's allowed to go to the wedding or not. You know, Right now, keep it, let him, let him ask the Shiloh, because I would bet, based on everything I know, that if he asks the Shiloh, the Rabbanim will tell him he can go to the wedding. Probably they, they'll tell him he can eat also, because you still have the Levush and you still have you know, the, uh, the Arizal, so there's still enough to be, uh, be made with. But even if they don't tell him he can eat, they'll, you know, they'll tell him eat at the Shmorg or something like that, or eat whatever, you know, uh, whatever you're not going to call the Su'udas Chasana, you know, eat at something else. But let him ask, let him ask Shaila. I saw him the next day, 
the uh, you know at the engagement party. I saw the uh, the, the father-in-law, and uh, he he didn't tell me. His wife told me that uh, he miscalculated the the yard site wasn't actually on that day, so he drove everybody crazy, and uh, it turned out that the yard site. I think it was uh, I think it was an other Aleph other Bay's uh, mistake because I think the wedding was going to be. I Meaning normally he observes yard site on whatever day of Adar it is because there's normally only one Adar, but his parent died in other uh, base, let's say. So uh, the wedding's going to be in other Aleph. Parent died in other base, so the real yard site is other base, or whatever, you know, something, something like that. So it was, all, uh, it was all a confusion. So anyway, so that I think is Shadow uh, number one. Now, if you have a real reason to uh, change the date, so are you allowed to do that to the other side, to change the date and, uh, and make them lose money? That's a good Cheshmer question. That would probably depend on how much of an understanding it is, how, mu- how good of a reason it is to change the date, and would that be something that's universally understood as a good enough reason to change the date? Meaning, uh, there are very few good enough reasons to uh, to change the date uh, of, of a wedding. Um, you know, what, what does the Gemara and Ksuba say? Right? They, uh, the chasen or kala's father or mother died. They say, okay, you know, he's not going anywhere. Just put him, put him in a room somewhere, get, get them married, and then they'll do Avelos afterwards. There are very, very few reasons. Now, obviously, over there, they had much more uh, serious financial constraints, and uh, no one else would be able to make a wedding for them. There's a whole sugya of Avshel Chasnim Kala Dafka. Okay, but uh, but there, it's not not an easy thing to to change the the date of a wedding once it's been agreed upon, especially when uh, when you're dealing with two families with which each have their own sensitivities. Okay, we will stop there. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos, and Bez uh, I'll see you in two weeks. Next week there won't be a shear. Okay. Um, do we